So today I want to talk about underdeveloped characters. And if I were to try and word it in a way where it makes more sense, I would say this is about having roles, uh, labels, whenever we try to take ourselves or when someone else takes us or someone they see and wants to put that person into a specific box. Now, underdeveloped characters, apparently, and I just learned this on Google, it's also called a static character. People who write uh, stories or novels, they say that a static character is someone who in the beginning of the story is one way, and by the end of the story, the person hasn't developed or changed. And it said, for example, Scar in The Lion King is a static character. So he's true to form throughout the story. He doesn't grow or evolve in any kind of way. And the reason I wanted to talk about this was because it's something that I found to be really important and something that I'm working with myself and trying to figure out and make the best possible sense of for myself. Now, the reason why um, it's relevant now is because looking at the characters in the story, if I were to talk about a man who came into a grocery store or a shop and he wants to buy something and there's a shopkeeper, a clerk there who's at the cashier, um, who's at the till. I'm doing Br British and American at the same time. <laughs> and um, the person's going to, the character is going to buy something and then leave the store. So the clerk who's behind uh, the desk, who's ringing up their purchases, is pretty much a basic character. We don't know very much about them. They have a job, a role. There may be something describing them. We may know a little bit about their background based on the way that they speak, for example, or the way that they look. But generally speaking, it's a pretty one-dimensional, basic character portrayal that we have there. And when an author is telling us a story or someone is narrating a story to us, the purpose of the story is for us to go along with the journey that the plot is telling us. So we tend to focus on the main character and the characters that are significant. And depending on who's framing the story, they're deciding on who's significant and who's not. It's not to say that if we didn't follow the clerk home, they would have an interesting life and some drama of their own, but that's not what the story is about. Now, when we look at ourselves or other people, so in my personal context, the people that I know, for example, we see people most of the time, socially, we are taught to define people by their job. And this is just the way our culture is. What do you do? How do you spend most of your time? And depending on how that person wants to project or how they want to show up or what they tell people they do, we understand them to be that. So what are you? I'm a grad student. I am a stay-at-home mom. I am a teacher. You know, the person will respond and tell you what it is that they do. And then we have kind of these um, profiles in our mind of what a teacher's like or what our expectations of a student in university are like and so on and so forth. So it kind of helps us narrow down the possibilities of what this person is or who they are based on the answers that they give us. And this is fine because obviously we're not interacting with everyone on a super personal level or we don't need to know that information about them necessarily. It's not, uh, it's not important at, the, at that given time. Uh, but where this becomes tricky 
is when it gets mixed up now with judgment and the need to label and define. So how someone outside looks at you and decides to label and define you as that. And there's an unspoken agreement and expectation that you should abide by the rules of your label and you need to stay in your box. And when you don't do that, it causes friction. (laughs) So if we say, for example, um, the label of saying someone is a mom, so they have children or they have, you know, someone under their care that they look after. And there are certain expectations of how a person who's a mom should behave or what, how they should spend their time or what they should do with their income. So many, so many things are tied up in the labels. And when, when you don't fit into the traditional way that people see things, it's disturbing to them. And so a lot of times what happens is someone will come out of their way to correct you or to criticize you or judge you because you just don't seem to be following the rules for your category. And oftentimes these rules we use to kind of beat people outside of us over the head about them. But before that happens, and this is like a rule of thumb judgment, whenever you see it projected onto you from someone is because their rules about the world, you're breaking their rules. So for some reason, you don't, you aren't in line with what they believe you should be in line with. And that tendency to need to harshly judge people and be critical of them is kind of like what's spilling over. It's the, it's, it is the excess that you're getting. The heat that you're getting is what's left. That person is actually beating themselves up on a regular basis and criticizing themselves internally more harshly than they are the people outside of them. And once they beat themselves up, then they now are putting that on you and people outside when, whenever anyone doesn't meet their standard or their, or their rules of how the world should be. And this criticism, the need to label, categorize, organize, criticize, judge, others to kind of keep them in line with your way of the world is is rigid and scary and lonely and deeply insecure. Now this is something that comes up a lot in the parenting world and I I I mean I think that it's probably because parenting is really hard and there are so many ways to do it and there's so much advice out there and there's no uh sure steady exact precise way that is necessarily correct. So there's a lot of insecurity in that, you know, I remember like, you know, as a new mom, you are so unsure, you have no idea if anything you're doing is correct at all. And you're scared of everything. And you question everything and you're taking in tons of information and tons of advice and trying all sorts of things and you second guess everything and you feel like you're not cut out for this. And it's just really, really, really hard But then second child, you're less insecure, less worried because you've done this before. And alhamdulillah, the first child's still alive. (laughs) So you're like, okay, I think I can, I can manage now. And for a lot of people, they kind of don't ever make it out of that. Every stage that they go through in parenting from it being a small infant and then a toddler and then a child who goes to school and then, you know, 
a preteen and then, you know, a teenager and then being married and then having their own children, the, the kind of need to compete and judge and compare, it just continues. It never finishes. So a lot of times it's a very judgmental space. It's a very harsh space. And moms tend to have the brunt of responsibility when it comes to that. Like they feel like their child is a direct reflection of their performance as a parent. So there's a lot of pressure on to put your best foot forward. And, you know, it comes from love and wanting to do the best possible thing you can for your kid. But there's also a fierce sense of competition and the need to be right all the time. And it's just, it is that uncertainty around how to do it and the newness of it all and the continual struggle and the transition from phase to phase. And, you know, every time you figure something out with children, then they move on to a new challenge. It's just the way it is. So it's always, there's always question marks. There's always, a, it's always new. So you don't have the answers. You're always working. And, you know, a lot of times we give each other a lot of flack about, being this way or being that way, you know, the, the mom world is riddled with criticism and judgment and harshness and pettiness and attacks because it's a room full of insecure people who aren't sure what they're doing and are trying to look like they know what they're talking about. And a lot is at stake because they care deeply about their children and they love them. And it's a really important thing that they're talking about. But it's just, it can just be such a toxic environment to be in. Um, so now what I was saying, if I go back to the idea of judgment and criticism being something that's internal first, and then it spills out to the people around you. The issue with the one dimensional character, the paper doll, so to speak, is that the rules that people or society or this unspoken agreement that you need to stay in the box is something that starts out outside of you, but eventually the issue becomes when these rules are something that you internalize and you believe apply to you. So now I'm going to start judging and labeling and classifying who I'm supposed to be, what I'm allowed to do, how I'm allowed to show up in the world is going to be based on those rules. And the problem lies in the fact that you don't necessarily fit into a box. So any archetype, the, you know, the teacher, the leader, the religious figure, these kind of labels, they have boundaries and edges. They don't, and they tend to be absolute definite definitions. So they are a good person. They fear God. They are responsible. So these are like broad kind of rules. Now, what about the gray areas? What about the aspects of a person that are not necessarily according to the rules, but they don't necessarily break them? Or what about the parts of them that are in direct contradiction with the label? So they may take seven boxes out of 10, but there are three that totally don't fit. And this causes like struggle. It, it, it's agonizing because You've internalized this and you actually believe that I have to be this person. I've got to file down my edges so that I can fit in the box. And then now you have parts of you that are not correct. That's wrong. 
You know, you're not allowed to be that. You have to change that about yourself. And thinking about, you know, the different parts of you, you know, if I think back to my my time as a teenager, for example, and I think back to after that being in college and then getting married and then being a mom and as you transition, you're obviously getting older, going through different phases. I think about how parts of myself have come forward and taken like uh, the driver's seat and other parts have get, have been kind of boxed up and put away in the attic. <laughs> and so the question is like to explore whether the reason that they've been put in the attic is because I have a belief about the fact that there are rules that say that I'm not allowed to to have that part anymore. If I like to uh, joke around or play around quite a bit, but now I'm an adult and I'm a parent and I have to be responsible and, you know, if I teach Qur'an, I'm not supposed to be a character who's like this. I'm supposed to be... I'm supposed to very neatly. So there's parts that need to be folded and put away because they are no longer valid and they're wrong and I need to get rid of them. So there's, I mean, I think that I could go on forever about this because it's something that touches many different areas. But I think that it's worth examining and it's worth thinking about in what way have I made my character in my story um, flat? In what way is my character underdeveloped? What parts of who I am am I muting, stifling, denying, resisting, um, you know, trying to dumb down or censor so that I can fit into a label that I've taken on from outside of me? I think it's a really, really important question and it's worth investigating. It's worth looking at you know, closely, each person obviously in their own, on their own, because you know yourself, uh, you know who you are, you know what parts of you you struggle with, or you feel are not valid. And, you know, I think that what it is really is moving, wanting to, you know, or moving towards having the goal of becoming a well-rounded person who is able to accept all parts of yourself as valid. And, that's not to say that you should be a loose cannon or you should have poor manners or that you should just say that, you know, this is just the way I am, so I'm not going to improve or work on myself. But it's to say that I can accept that this is what I am and I can also see that there's a time and place for everything. And I can also see that I'm right here, but I want to improve and grow and so that I can get there with this particular you know, part of me or this particular thing that I'm trying to achieve. So it doesn't mean I have to care, but resisting and fighting and denying that internal struggle drains your energy. And it is in direct contradiction with being able to accept all the parts of who you are. So that's, that's like the work, you know, it's something that has to be done over time and has to be understood and kind of taken apart. But, you know, are we, what kind of characters are we? And how many rules have we taken on that say that we have to do things a certain way and are not allowed to do that? And, you know, a person like me shouldn't be like this and shouldn't do that and shouldn't think that. All of these questions, says who? Says who? Who made those rules?
And why are they so, you know, why are they gospel? Why is that the case? What, where do I have room to explore? Where do I have room to change the story? Where do I have room to go off the path on this? Um, and again, I'm going to reiterate that it is not to say that people should, you know, forget about the best manners or forget about guidance or forget about the rules of our faith or forget. It's not about that. It's just about within yourself, where, where is there room for you to grow? Where have you just said that my identity means that I don't do this and I don't eat that and I don't go here and I don't, I'm terrible at this and I'm not good at that. And I, you have all of these rules you've constructed around yourself that keep you boxed in. So where can you push the boundaries? Where can you get outside of that box? That's all I want to share for today. And Jazakum Elohim for following. Um, extra shout out to those who sent me a voice note or who reached out uh, to share their stories or how they connected with what I was sharing. I really, really appreciate it. And the truth is that the the merit of what I'm sharing doesn't come from a number of followers or plays. It comes really with seeing that there's someone out there in the world who heard this and felt like it spoke to them and it helped them in some way. That's what the work is really, really about. So Jazakum Allah khairan for listening and I look forward to sharing more. Yalla assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.